0: Accelerating careers in real estate with Nick Carmen. So, this evening, I'm sat with Sammy Steele, Managing Director of Placemaking and Regeneration at Places for People. Samantha's been focused in residential development, building her career working with the HCA, Cress Knuckleson, and now Places for People. So, Sammy, enough from me. I want to get straight into the detail and let's get started. Where did your career begin?
1: So where did my career first began? It's probably going back to my university days. So it actually probably going back a, a stage before that. So I did geography at uni and my yeah my mum and dad always used to say to me, you know, if just do something that you enjoy. And if you're passionate about it, you, know, you will give it everything you've got. And, and that's kind of how I, I ended up with geography. Geographies, yeah, there's various strands in it relating to property. But up until that point, you know, I haven't worked I hadn't had any sort of exposure to the property industry, you could say
0: okay, well we we know where it's going to go then in the in the end, don't we we know, we know sort of property does get your attention. Well you hadn't had experience then of real estate before, so when did you get your first taste of real estate?
1: first taste of real estate was probably some work experience that I did um in New York straight after university actually, so kind of just having a good think about what sort of careers. Um, I could end up in you know doing a geography degree it's so broad you know so many different avenues that you can go down so doing a bit of work experience was really helpful actually so that was kind of my first experience of real estate and you know seeing something tangible being involved in something that you can actually kind of see you know and residential particularly kind of grabbed me at that point I'd say
0: Okay, interesting. So um, you came back to the UK and then you began your career then with uh, with DTZ in, t- in 2007. What were those first early days like?
1: First early days, 2007, what a great, great time to start your career. Do you know I can remember that first day so vividly, You're walking down the stairs in that huge office in Curzon Street in London. Bear in mind, I, I, I'm a country girl at heart. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd, I'd grown up in Shropshire, but you know, I, I did want to work in London. Those first few years, it was very challenging. I'm not going to lie. You know, the, the timing, you know, 2007. You know, the world fell off a cliff. You know, the, the work, the clients weren't around necessarily. But it was a really good experience. I think to have kind of gone through that.
0: It's definitely one to, to, to remember, isn't it? Sort of how to, how to best sort of forge your career. But at what area what area were you focusing on in terms of uh, surveying at that time?
1: So I was on the residential graduate programme at DTZ, so in their residential valuation team, but it involved quite a lot of development surveying as well. So development appraisals and planning work as well. And it was basically working up to sit in my APC. That was kind of the end goal of their graduate programme.
0: Okay. So you are a non-cognate graduate, aren't you? So presumably you were studying whilst whilst working. How how did you manage that?
1: Yeah, so in order obviously in order to see your APC, you've got to have a an RRCS accredited degree. So I was going out a day a week to London South Bank with a small small little cohort of us grads. Don't get me wrong, it was pretty full on. You yeah, know, you're getting your assignments in and are
0: we sorry, are we talking about the drinking now or the work? <laughs>
1: Probably a bit of both. <laughs> little bit of both. I mean, it, there was a bit of, you know, continue to live a bit of the student lifestyle down there as well whilst working, which, you know, and being in a on a grad scheme, it was really, you know, it was really good fun as well. You know, don't get me wrong, it was hard. But, you know, you're all kind of going through the same thing together. There's a really good support network there.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm curious at, at this point, do you think, had you, had you been bitten by a real estate bug, you know, having not had much experience in this? How are you feeling? Did this feel feel like a second home then for you? Did you feel comfortable in the air in this in the sector?
1: Did I feel comfortable? I don't. Comfortable is probably not the right word because it was a real steep learning curve those couple the first, especially that first kind of six months. And they do really throw you in the deep end. Yeah, they do expect a lot out of their grads. But you know, I was really lucky to do some of the stuff I was doing. You're going around London. You're going to properties on Eaton Square. You know. 10 15 million pound properties you know, within the lovely news houses at the back you know for the staff you know it, it, having that opportunity to see some absolutely incredible property it, yeah it, I think I was I was just drawn in I guess at that point
0: okay so back into of then 2010 you've now been at DTZ for just over two years you've you've qualified despite being that non cognate, extremely quickly and very efficiently. But I'm curious. Yeah, that does then lead then to not staying at DTZ and you you joining the Homes Community Agency. Why? Why? <laughs> what made you leave the advisory market? You know, what do you remember? What you were looking for?
1: So D, DTZ was such a good grounding. You know, starting off on a graduate scheme where you're working towards your APC it's very very structured. You know, and ultimately I was working towards my APC those first couple of years but I think I always wanted something a bit more in consultancy you you're providing a service to a client yeah you you, you might be valuing something you're you're writing a, a report for a bank and that's kind of where your involvement ends and i guess because i didn't i didn't know very much about the property industry when i joined it it was you know in that first couple of years i realized hang on a sec there's all these other avenues out there, and yeah, you know, you've got the house builders, you've got the Homes and Communities Agency, you've got affordable housing providers, yeah, there's numerous other angles to our industry. So I'm really pleased I started out, I started out where I did. But I think it was always it was always probably going to be for a certain period of time. So the move to Homes and Communities Agency, now Homes England. One of the guys that I used to work with at DTZ, he moved over to, to head up a team at the HCA. So I moved over there as a um, an investment and regeneration manager, where I basically had you know little portfolio of projects, and I had a patch. So I had a few local authorities that were mine to kind of engage with, you know, work with to deliver whatever HCA programs they were working on. So it was kind of going over to another side of the industry where actually I was responsible for projects. You know, I, there was a you know, project that I took to market, you know, got bids in, you know, I, I got to interview developers. You know, I'm I, going to the HA, you work with, you work with, with housing associations, you work with developers, you work with local authorities, you work with various different stakeholders. So it was, it was kind of a way to opening my eyes to the broader, property industry
0: but but also a real jump in responsibility isn't it from from your average sort of recently chartered surveyor how did you how did you manage that transition did that feel natural or did you, or did you ever feel out your depth
1: <laughs> it's funny i probably was out of my depth but i don't remember feeling it because i think going from you know dtz was it's quite a corporate environment as you would expect for a big london surveying firm quite a lot of, I mean, it was quite a pressured environment. You're obviously providing a service to a client, so there were deadlines. You know, I, I was used to, you know, quite big asks of me, I guess, by the end of my time at DTZ. So, I don't know, it, it didn't feel like a big step up at the time, but I guess it, it was probably quite an important transition, actually, you know, to take me out of the, you know, I'm no longer a graduate, I've no longer got that support network necessarily. Yes, I've got reporting lines or whatever, but yeah, you know, it was really about standing on your own two feet you know sammy these are your projects you know go go off and work out what you think we should do with them i love that i absolutely loved it
0: i think that probably says something about you doesn't it in terms of, uh, about about enjoying that change and it's in some way maybe removing some of the shackles and giving you that sort of that autonomy so do you remember what you were learning the most at this stage because you're certainly accelerating, yeah. aren't you? And if, you know, if we you know we can, we come back to sort of my my key sort of premise about about this. And people have got sort of chapters of acceleration and then sort of rest. Now this sounds firmly appear, appear a period of real acceleration in terms of your own growth. But do you but do you remember sort of what you were what you were learning the most?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a period of acceleration. It's probably just learning about how this very broad, complicated industry works. <laughs> you know, and, and each kind of different facet to the industry, you know, has a slightly different agenda. And actually, just how important relationships and people are, you know, and, and the people skill, you know, yes, learning about the technical stuff, you're learning about the Homes England you know, programmes, you know, that's one thing, but actually, moving from a, you know, consultant and client relationship to actually, you know, you're, you're part of a government agency, you know, you're yeah, the softer skills matter just as much actually if not more um, and kind of growing myself as a person so you know I was quite people don't believe this now actually when I say you know I was quite shy when I was younger you could probably tell on my first few questions here Nick that I, um, I can be quite a reserved individual but you know the job I do and even going back to that for that job at HCA, you know, you're going along to meetings with chief execs of councils because you're the HCA representative, and you might be presenting on a, a program. So it, it really pushed me, and I think it really helps me to grow as a, you know, as an individual, um, for you know, from the on the softer side of things and the softer skills rather than the just technical stuff.
0: I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Definitely makes sense. So. This next this next question is is almost the other half of the coin here. If when you first started the HCA, you're you're accelerating your learning, did you ever then, did you think or did you recognise when that stopped? When you then moved into that next chapter in terms of resting, when you'd stopped learning and developing at the same pace?
1: I wasn't at HCA for a huge period of time. I was there for just over a year, so I probably would say that. Um, the, the probably the pace of acceleration wasn't quite as as rapid i i would probably say that i i didn't necessarily go into a period of rest if, if you want to call it that at HGA. you know I, I was always trying to i do you know around projects and where where they are in the cycle so i guess once you, when you're given a new opportunity you know, it's right, what am I going to do with this? You know, when am I going to take it out to market? You know, what do we think we can do with this asset? And that's really when the kind of the, the brains are going and you're putting a plan in place and um, yeah, you're working out what team of consultants you need. And I guess yeah, once you're into that process and that cycle, it is a bit easier to step back because you know, you're just working through the various strands that you set out at the beginning. So it's it's probably a bit of a cycle of acceleration arrest just given kind of what I was involved in
0: okay well then you mentioned you mentioned then sort of your time sort of HCA came to an end so your next role then was when you joined Chris Nicholson big PLC house builder private sector how uh how big a leap or how big a transition was that then from HCA
1: yeah that's a good question um massive (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it was a, a a huge change. I mean I, I, I wasn't necessarily planning on moving on when I did actually so uh, ACA kind of went through a bit of a restructure at the time and they they were changing kind of where their office locations were based and I I was gonna but the, the plan for me was I was going to become a, a home worker and, you know a few years into my career I just thought you know what is that really for me? You know, I really enjoy the office environment. Yeah, you know, it just didn't feel quite right. As much as I, you know, I'd really enjoyed that side of kind of the industry, the projects, it probably wasn't for me long term if that was kind of the way my role was gonna evolve at the HCA. So I'd worked with a few house builders in my role at HCA. You know, I I'd, I'd got a good feel for what it involves. I don't think anything prepares you for so that move over. I mean, you know, I've been a consultant, I've been public sector, but moving over to actually full-on project managing, yeah, my title when I joined Crest was development manager, you actually don't know what that involves until you're in it. There's no way you can know, you know just how extensive um, you know, and varied and you know, challenging and pressured that role is going to be. But having seen it on the other side of the fence... I just always thought at some point I was probably going to make that move. It's just going to be a matter of when. And sometimes these things, you know, that move for me was prompted by, you know, someone I'd worked with previously who had recently joined Crest, who introduced me. So sometimes it's just a, it's just the timing thing. It wasn't necessarily the plan at the time, but it's kind of the way it worked out.
0: Okay. And I mean, what was, what was it like then, sort of working for a, a house builder at this time. So, it's 2011. You now we're starting to see uh, activity, starting to to gain momentum. Now, aren't we? Once more in the market, had crest sort of had they sort of put their foot down at this at this time. What was it like?
1: What was it like? Do you know? Being honest, Nick, I when I joined, I was a little bit of a rabbit in the headlights. It's probably quite a good way of describing it. It was. Just a very very different environment. I wouldn't say actually, you know, the the time I've been through at DTZ, you're know, actually going through that period of two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight ish. It was a was a pretty unpleasant time. You know, it had it really did have its moments. You know, through you know business having to go through restructures, which obviously a huge number did back then. It didn't feel like that crest actually. You know, I joined so so on joining I joined. It was a little team called crest Nicholson Communities. You know, they were, they were effectively out there looking for new stuff um, and dealing with stuff in the business that might have been a little bit more complicated. So my first scheme was a, it was a refurb of a, an office building in Reading Town Centre. So it was, it was a really horrible 1960s old office block. And it was kind of, right Sammy, what are, you, what are we gonna do with this? It was a really interesting one, a really difficult one to start with, particularly from a technical point of view. So what I really enjoyed was you're drawing upon, you know, in a house builder, you obviously have, have technical people, you have commercial people, you have sales people, you have buyers, all these different disciplines that as the development person, you're drawing that team together. So that's probably the biggest step change from my previous roles was ultimately, you know, Sammy, you're now responsible for this job. Yeah, you need to drive it. You're responsible for meeting deadlines. You need to get all these other people to do what you need them to do. So that, yeah, I mean, that that was probably the biggest step change.
0: How do you manage that? Where do, where do you go to you know, learn those skills?
1: A lot of it, Nick, is around, it's just about how you deal with people. Because ultimately those people didn't report to me. And I think a lot of it is about adapting your style. So a lot of it is about you, you know, about how I conduct myself with those people, you know, understanding what what are their pressures, what are they working with, what are they trying to achieve on a project, and trying to pull that team together. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, you you look up to you know, those more senior people within the business, you know, how they go about it, you know, to try and find some people within the business who can almost step into a bit of a mentor role that's something that i found key to be honest in you know throughout my whole career you know having people that have got your back that you can go to um you know at kind of critical junctures you know to offer that support from a from a more senior level and someone who's got a bit more experience than you
0: okay well, that's quite that's quite an interesting sort of segue. So, um, you know, sort of before this recording, I'd, I'd asked to, uh, to speak to a couple of people who knew quite well. Um, yes, one of the, one of those people who um, who I spoke to sort of described themselves as as being one of those those earlier sort of mentors. And this is this is what they said of, an, of a of a young uh, Sami, a sort of highly emotionally intelligent, uh, reads uh, well what isn't being said in a room, but the early Sami did lack confidence in her own abilities. Mm. And you've touched on that, haven't you, in terms of being a slightly more sort of shy and retiring sort of type. So were you conscious of that at the time?
1: It's really funny to hear someone actually say that. Was I conscious of it at the time? Do you know what? I think I was, actually. Yeah, I think I was. And, you know, it's when you're in a room with people. You know, I was often, I was often, firstly, the only female in a room. You know, being, being in this industry... Yeah, that's often the case. And to be honest, now it, the industry has come up, come on leaps and bounds. And I, I guess where I've kind of come to, come to in my career, I don't necessarily feel it anymore. But as kind of a new, fresh-faced development manager, you know, brand new to house building, I definitely did. And I I used to sense check myself a lot. And it's not a nice feeling actually when you feel like that. And I probably felt like that for. Maybe my first couple of years, do you know what, Nick, I would would do? You know, I'd come out of a meeting, I'd be like, I would give myself a talking to. (laughs) Sometimes, Joseph, something that one of my old bosses said to me, which has stuck with me from from that moment that they said this to me, was don't be afraid to fail. And putting yourself in an environment where you feel uncomfortable. And I did. And, you know, I still do. I still do now but it's fine now but it's just it's just having that confidence going in that actually you know when you push yourself and you push push yourself outside your comfort zone that is how you're going to develop and grow If you just carried on doing the same you know the same stuff in your comfort zone and for some people that's what they want and i i guess i thought for maybe for a period of time that's what i wanted but i but i quickly realized you know kind of maybe a year in at crest that it wasn't what i wanted
0: well then I think I think your career at Crest is really quite interesting because for the, you know for the, to benefit any of the audience now, we're we're 2011, aren't we? You're at Crest as a development manager. You spend nearly four years in in that role, but the next four years at Crest, you get promoted three times in the same the same time. Something must have happened, mustn't it? Something something must have must have changed either internally or externally that, that meant suddenly, you know, you've, you're growing exponentially now. What do you think that was?
1: Yes, yeah, it's interesting to say, I, I, and I think that confidence piece that you just mentioned, that is fundamental. And I think once I'd gotten over that, you know, being a development manager, being, you know, being in development, isn't about knowing all the answers. It's about knowing what questions to ask in surrounding yourself with the right consultants so once I've figured out that actually Sammy it was fine to not have all the answers you kind of take that pressure off yourself a little bit and I think it did take me a good few years to get there actually.
0: It's, it's so easy to say isn't it it's, um, but it, I think it's sort of human nature, isn't it? When you've got sort of bosses expecting sort of answers from you, you want to provide them, don't you? And I think you, you, I think we've we've all been there, haven't we? And want to sort of take that on ourselves to go away and and sort of reinvent the wheel sometimes. But I think it's sort of when you when you become a boss, you, you realise that that's that's not what you expect, is it?
1: No, no, it's not. And I guess one of the main changes I went through at Crest was you're going from a development manager where you're managing a team of consultants. But then, quite quickly, to actually managing people, so that what what comes with those step ups isn't just more responsibility in the job, but it's, you know, it's actually looking at the you know the members of staff in your team, and you know, you're now responsible for their career progression, you know, and and kind of being a mentor for them. So it, it was kind of so there is a period of time where so I worked on a few projects for the first few years, and then. So and then Crest won the Arberfield project, which is a partnership with Defence Infrastructure Organisation. And my boss said, Sam, I want you to, I want you to run this. And I can remember thinking, My God, you know, I'm not ready for this. This is too big. And I can remember starting off that job. um, And I've said this to him since. You know, I didn't feel like I really had the necessary experience to do it, but. Someone took a chance on me, you know, someone's thought, "You what? let's throw Sammy in the deep end here. And that project, I worked on that project for, so coming up kind of six odd years, I worked on that job. And that was, and basically that job stayed with me through that, through my career progression. And I went from kind of managing the day-to-day nitty gritty, kind of being overseen by a director, you know, becoming that director, not needing that oversight, some I think it that opportunity was amazing for me I think I you know I, I was very fortunate to be you know, to be given that opportunity
0: so I mentioned in about sort of this exponential growth you went through and you gone from development manager to senior development manager and then very very quickly then promoted again from senior development manager to what was it, the next the next title
1: oh, that's a really weird title that Quest have it was development executive
0: okay and from development direct, um executive then to to picking up the first uh, director title i think from memory isn't it
1: yeah yeah that yeah that was my first director title at crest yes
0: so what what did it feel like then to to, to have these sort of succession of roles and this sort of change in terms of, sort of what what you might have been looking for did you enjoy it
1: I, yeah i i absolutely loved those last few years at crest like i i you yeah, know having the responsibility um, you know when I when I go to Arbourfield now you know and you kind of look at what's been achieved on the ground I'm just I'm really proud of what we achieved as a team I, I haven't always necessarily been a person who always chased the next job title
0: I think that's in some ways I think that's that's what I was getting at yeah. when, I, when I said doing it because I don't I don't mean it as sort of glibly as sort of did you in did you enjoy it i think it's quite an interesting isn't it that so many people sort of you know when we talk about accelerating careers you know think about it as a succession of titles or it's money or it's sort of it's externally what people look at but for someone who is who has generally experienced that in sort of you know those those three different roles in under four years did that did that ever cause you any any sort of unexpected sort of consequences, I suppose, because it's what it's from the outside. It's what everyone thinks they want, isn't it? But I'm curious, did it really test you?
1: Oh, yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. Yes. Yeah. Def- yes is definitely the answer to that. Yeah. You know, going from having a director overseeing what you're doing, you know, to, to ultimately, you know, I was sitting opposite our partners, you know, as was the most senior person on joint ventures. You know the the responsibility was massive compared to what i've been used to but i i don't I, I try and be in the moment i think there's something in this about being in the moment and not always thinking about the next step and that's how i yeah that's kind of how i am not even just in work
0: and this this is good again this is quite a nice a nice sort of segue so one of the other people i spoke to who, who's been around you at these sort of uh, peak key moments you know, I asked I asked them what they what they thought about were your strengths, and they they described some as being very good at building relationships, an excellent communicator, and as a consequence, gets the best out of people. In that, yeah, you know, in those sort of those management those early sort of management roles, you know, they they clearly sort of recognised you as as a very very strong manager. Do you, do you think those traits came easily, or is is that something you had to learn? It's
1: really interesting. Point, isn't it? You know, it is probably a bit of both because you don't you don't get taught how to be a manager necessarily. I mean, yeah, god, you know, you get sent on you know the odd leadership course here and there, but I've always been someone who you know, I really enjoy seeing young people come out through the business. You know, I, I was part of the graduate training programme at Crest. I used to get involved in you know, a lot of their workshops. So I've I've always enjoyed managing people, and actually, you know, I've been managed by various different people along the way. I've been managed by people who are who have a, you know, a very hard management style, and then people who, you know, still push you but do it in more of a you know a constructive way. And I think I've I, I've probably been influenced by how I've been managed shouting and screaming and banging the table which you know historically has been a bit of the house building world you know it was when i first joined crest was like that 10 years ago it it was quite a harsh environment but it changed very very much over those last 10 years as the industry have and i i i've always been someone that you know i'm not afraid of you know difficult conversation or you know giving difficult feedback or Having conversations that may be deemed confrontational, you yeah, know, fronting into a difficult issue, but I think there's a way of doing it. And I think there's a way of giving someone some quite, you know, some feedback that might be difficult to hear. But if you if you deliver it in a way that's constructive, that you, know, you want to see them improve, you know, you're gonna help them do it. You know, I I you do end up getting more out of people. You know, I don't I, I don't operate operate in a very hierarchical way either. You know, everyone's opinion matters and you're a team at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah I may be the MD, but ultimately you know, I need everybody to achieve for me to achieve. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult question to ask. Uh, I think you can learn traits to be a good leader. I think you can. And I think a lot of that is around you know listening to people that work with you, being very open and honest, giving each other feedback. And I still ask for that now. You know how was i in that meeting so it's it's kind of about constantly trying to grow yourself
0: okay so we're coming up now to sort of almost 10 years at crest and you know the, the the second half of that that career in in particular was you know it was clearly a really steep sort of learning curve and you, it sounds like you know you made the most of it and sort of reaped and reaped the benefits to that but you're not at crest anymore are you there is then sort of comes along a sort of uh, a bit of a household name, but but one that wasn't necessarily associated with residential development until very recently, legal in general.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what was, I'm curious about sort of what was it that sort of what grabs your attention then in order to make you sort of leave leave behind that 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 career request?
1: Yeah, it's really funny. My my husband always said to me, he thought I was going to be at Crest <laughs> to the very end. It was a really big deal for me to leave Crest. Yeah, almost almost 10 years is, you yeah, know, it's a long time. I was exceptionally dedicated to Crest. But a really exciting opportunity came up at legal in general. Yeah, and a lot of people were talking about Legal in general over the last, yeah, the last few years. And it was an opportunity to kind of to run their major projects and Stratland team. And I guess, you know, leading in general were you know, still relatively new to house building at the time. So I guess, you know, being part of something where you, know, you could shape, kind of help shape and evolve what that entity was going to end up being. They had a few assets, you know, they had a few projects in the team, but it was you know, the opportunity to really, kind of, it was going from development director, but then the potential to actually just you know lead that team. And, you know, Liga in general have got, you know, they've got an urban regen team, they've got affordable housing, they've got PRS, you know, they, they've got that entire offering, which is pretty unique out there. So, yeah, it, it was opportunity led more than anything. I mean, Crest was going through a lot of change at the time, slightly unsettling, I guess. Crest wasn't going to be what I'd always known it to be. So there was probably a little bit of that in my thinking. That's not to say, you know, I, I was buying into, you know, the changes that Crest were going through. And I think, to be honest, they, they probably needed to evolve at the time. But yeah, that that it was not an easy decision, Nick, to make that move. Because, I mean, you don't really know what you're going to, do you, until you're on the other side?
0: No, no, of course. Um, and it's intimidating, right? It's You know, it's you know the, the better the devil you know, you know, sort of no employer is perfect, right? But you, it's a known quantity but sort of getting, then making that, making that leap is a, um, it is a, it is a big leap of faith.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> but compared to, you know, the, the 10 years at Crest and then you're at legal in general, only for a relatively short period of time. You now, what was, what happened then in order to, to bring you to your new role?
1: Yeah, you know, again, I guess the the move wasn't,
0: uh, yeah, I wasn't legal in
1: general for a pretty short period of time. You're right. An opportunity came up. I'm now MD of placemaking and regen team at Places for People, where someone, so basically someone that I've worked with throughout my entire 10 years at Crest, has basically taken over running the developments arm of Places for People, is almost establishing it like a house builder. So that I mean that was a, a, a pretty big reason for me, but also you know the the opportunity of an MD role. You know I've I've got a big team of people. I I love managing people, so you know the opportunity to kind of have my own team, and also while it's going through a period of a bit of change, you know working out what it's going to be as an entity, you know, what is the place making a regen team ultimately going to be. And I, you know, I'm at the helm with that, which is when I say that's quite scary, but you know, it's really exciting, and the, you know, these opportunities don't come up every day.
0: Okay, no, that that I definitely understand. Well, if we just take a quick pause then, from sort of the the career perspective now, because um, you you mentioned it a couple a couple of times about over the years in terms of. Uh, crest and the rest of the house builders have have been changing and then sort of legal in general is another really good uh, sort of interesting organization that 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 has sort of has come to residential development very recently i wanted to get your thoughts really on whether you thought development as a whole has has changed and for the you know for the benefit of people who are listening do you think that's meant that the skills have had to change yeah
1: it's a really interesting question I guess, you know, entities like legal in general, like Places of People, they're moving away from you know, a standard house builder model that's maybe a bit more short term in its thinking. Okay. So you know, these entities are, you know, they're, they're focused on larger scale, new communities. We've got housing crisis, you know, you've got huge numbers of houses to deliver, you know, as an industry. And it's kind of about thinking outside the box a little bit. So, you know, coming at things from an angle of, right, how can we speed up delivery and, and lead in general places for people because they have that offering yeah, they've got the affordable housing business. Yeah, they've got PRS. They've got all these different tenure types on that they can offer mm-hmm. um, to sit alongside you know, the standard private for sale can really help tackle that problem. The second part of your question was around skill sets, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, I was, I was going to what what do you think that's meant for the people who are working in this? Now, this is I think this is sort of relevant for whether you're you're a graduate today and you're you're just starting out, or whether whether you're, you've been in the industry for sort of ten or ten or twelve years. But you know, what what do you think the skills that you require, or what you know what are the ones that you most sort of highly value now, having been successful in this in this industry?
1: So for, I guess for graduates coming into the industry, you know, skills wise communication is really really important having a bit you know having a curious mind I would say as well you know thinking outside the box you're going to get a lot of information thrown at you so it's kind of knowing and questioning in the right way to get the information that you need um, and not necessarily always taking things on face value so it's kind of pushing and probing and questioning most definitely You've just got to cut. To be honest, you know, being in this industry, having passion and drive is really, really important because it's you know, it's all about delivery. Ultimately, you know, it's great to get planning consent, but ultimately, this is all about people moving into a new community you've created. So you've kind of got to be you've got to be driven. And it is it's quite a drawn out process. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, when you you, know, you you go to public consultation events, you go and speak to members of the public and, you know, they can't believe that it's going to take, you know, five years before people are going to be living on site. So, it, it, you know, it, it, it takes dedication and it takes commitment. But there are real kind of tangible results at the end. Yeah, you know, when people move into, you know, a site, that, you know, that is what it's all about.
0: Uh, okay, Sammy, so bring us right, bang up to present day. You've been in this role now for just three three months with Places for People, Managing Director of Placemaking and Regeneration. What's the what's the future got in store? What are you be busy with?
1: Huge variety of things, Nick. So, so my team at the moment is we've got a really exciting portfolio of projects um, that I'm responsible for, but I've almost got to kind of map out the future of this team. You know, what do I want this division to do? And that's kind of exciting and daunting at the same time, being honest. And it's, you know, it's going to be large scale stuff. It's going to be a lot of partnership working with local authorities. There's going to be a lot of joint venture working, not necessarily with just the public sector either. We've got partnership with the National Grid where we're looking at portfolio sites across the country, you know, bringing forward old sites, you know, you know, old gas holders. And it's about giving that added strand to the places of people offering because place, I mean, places of people at its heart is affordable housing provider that manages a huge amount of affordable housing properties. But it, you know, it does want to now focus on development, and I've got a key role in kind of shaping that now and kind of shaping the direction, which is really exciting.
0: Um, so I've, I've asked you sort of a quick throughout this what you thought you were learning at sort of key stages now, what have you got to learn now in order to 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 meet that task
1: do you know the, the biggest thing that i'm kind of grappling with i guess in this new role it's the scale of it so it's you know a portfolio of you know 10 odd projects that you know i'm you know i'm used to business planning big projects you know i'm i'm, I'm used to yeah, working with complicated sites but it's when you're overlaying all of those projects into a business plan and looking at that business plan as one and how those various projects knit together um, you know and how the team just the, you know the structure of the team you know making sure I've got the right resource in the right places you know which projects need more people than not so yeah to, to be honest I think it's probably the scale of it
0: and does that, does that, does that frighten you or does that excite you? It's a bit of both.
1: <laughs> it's a bit of both. And I, but I think that's a good thing. You know, being, being in a situation where um, I like to be challenged, you know, I, I guess I don't, I, I could have stayed doing what I was doing, couldn't I? You know, I, I could have stayed, you know, run one project, you know, run a few projects and be in my comfort zone but I enjoy being pushed outside my comfort zone. So yeah it's de- most definitely a bit of both. I have days where I think, my God, <laughs> but then I have days where I'm like, Do you know what? this is, this is so exciting. yeah and it, yeah, it's definitely a mixture of both.
0: So for the benefit of the audience who who might well be either on the, the precipice of, of making a, a career move or, or even co- or considering it, help them out a bit. How'd, how did you make the decisions to make those career moves?
1: Yeah, it's it's always such a difficult decision. Because it's really difficult, isn't it? Because you don't know what a job's going to be like until you're on the other side. I usually trust my judgment. And I think a lot of it is, you know, does that feel the right move? It's not necessarily right or wrong. It isn't going to be clean cut. You know, people often will write, you know, on a sheet of paper, let's write down the pros and cons of, of each. But, you know, and that, you know, that, that will help to a point and it's worth, you know, chatting through with, I mean, God, you know, this move to places of people, you know, I, I spent a lot of time trying it through with my husband because it was, you know, it, 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 they are big decisions and they're not to be taken lightly, but ultimately you have to make the decision.
0: And you have to live with it, haven't you?
1: Yeah. And, and you've got to accept the decision you make. You can't think, what if you actually, I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to try and go back. But yeah, if something feels right, it usually is, I think. And to be honest, a lot of actually what we do is a bit of judgment. Yeah, it's just some rational thinking. And sometimes your opportunities come up at not necessarily the right time, but they may be the right opportunity. So in in my career, I've, I have taken the opportunities when they've come up. And kind of gone with my gut feel
0: on them, uh, which I think is is very much you know, sort of the the premise of what we what we talk about with each of these guests about these accelerating careers, and the people I'm really lucky to sit down with have have this way of weighing up these decisions, and they have a habit of seizing these opportunities that maybe others might have just let them pass them by or not even aware of. So I definitely think that is that is a, the key principle here of, of what of what we keep talking about in these in these sort of series. Well, Sam, listen, Olin, I'll, I'll draw all this at close now. Thank you very much for, for joining me and sharing, sharing this story. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed it sort of sitting back in the, and listening to it and know that our audience will do. So thank you very much. No
1: problem. Thank you, Nick. I've enjoyed it too.
0: This podcast was brought to you by McDonald & Company, the leading real estate recruiter. To discuss any matters with Nick Carman, please contact him via the email address in your show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to receive the latest episode as it's released.